0: It has been a rough couple of weeks in the Mid-Atlantic, especially around weather. The Hurricane Florence came through and a lot of North Carolina uh, experienced a lot of damage. You've seen pictures, I've seen pictures as well. Uh, then tornadoes came through Richmond area. There was some damage with that. It has been a rough couple of weeks. And when people go through that, when they, when their stuff is destroyed, when their house is destroyed, you know, they, they, they leave, they come back and they just kind of survey the mess. And sometimes they, they stand a, a, amidst a pile of rubble. and and inevitably, what we say when we're in that situation, when we're standing there in the rubble, uh, one person will turn to another person and they say, what are we going to do now? Like, all, all of this thing that we had built up is, is gone. What do we do now? And I think that's a question that we ask not just from physical damage, not just when a hurricane comes through, but we ask that question in our lives with all sorts of things that happen. When you're dating this guy and you think it's going to end in marriage and then he decides that he's going to break up with you and it's over and you sit there and you go, what am I going to do now? I had so much time invested in this. When you've been married and for a long time and you come home and she's like, you know what, I'm done with this. I want to get a divorce and you think, well, what am I going to do now? When your kid gets in trouble with the law and you go, how did my kid go down this road? What are we going to do now? When when your job, when they call you in and they say, you know what, there's been, the economy's tight and we need to have some layoffs here and I'm sorry, we're gonna have to let you go. And you say, what am I going to do now? Th- this comes up for all of us when we stand in the wreckage and in the rubble of, of, of life and we just kind of look around and go, man, what am I going to do now? And, and I guess the short answer to that question is, and it's the same answer no matter what situation you're in, the short answer to the question is, you roll up your sleeves and you get to work you do one small thing you do the next right thing that you know how to do you you just start walking down the road and you start in effect digging digging yourself out well i want to talk today to people really two groups of people one are the people who are standing in the rubble right now who feel like man life has dealt me a rough hand in the last week, month, year, five years, decade, something, and you're sitting there, and the rubble feels very present to you. You feel like you're standing in the midst of the mess, and you're wondering what's the next step. I want to talk to that group of people, but I also want to talk to the rest of you who may not be in that space right now, like things have got on a pretty good path for you, and you know, the economy's humming, maybe you're working well, and and, and relationships are strong. Um, and I want to talk to you as well, because all of us need to be aware that there are people standing in the rubble around us, and we need to be rescue workers. If we're in a good spot, we need to help others. And when we're in a bad spot, we need to reach out and ask for help from others. So I want to talk about that, and, and, I, and I want to talk about that kind of in the context of the end of our series. We've been in the series for the month of September called Area 10 2.0, and we've been looking back at the last 10 years, as our church just turned 10 last week, we're looking at the last 10 years, and really looking forward to who are we going to be for the next decade, as a church. And what I've been telling you over these last several weeks is our, our value uh, statements that we have. Um, we we kind of reworked our mission statement, and, and this is what, where we landed at Area 10. Uh, what we're doing is we're transforming lives in the city for the city. And we kind of walked through that a couple weeks ago. You can go back and listen to that on the podcast from uh, September 9th, I guess it was. You go back and listen to that but that's what we're about, transforming lives. We want to see God do his work in us and through us here in the city so that we can reach out, love others in the city, and, and, and make the whole Richmond region a better place. And, and and going along with that, we have seven values. We've given them to you on a card. You can, you can um, put them on your fridge, on the dashboard of your car, in your wallet, next to your heart, under your pillow, whatever you want to do. Um, but, but I want to just cover two of them to finish up here uh, with our last week of this, and and the first one is this. We say it this way, change happens in community. Um, there's a lot of internal work for transformation and growth. There's a lot of stuff you and I need to do on the inside. We need to think more clearly about our present reality. We need to get much more clear about where we're going with our lives. A lot of people feel like they're drifting. They feel like they're stuck because they don't really know where they're going. And if you don't really have a target of where you're going, of course you feel like you're not really going anywhere. And people aren't really clear about how they are thinking and the processes that go behind their thinking. So, uh, Part, part of our change transformation will, will happen when we get clear on those things. This is what I teach in my transformation class. My transformation class starts tomorrow night in the new building, 2810. Um, my class is starting tomorrow night. If you have not signed up for that and you feel stuck in any area of your life, this would be a great class for you to, to, to be in. Sign up through the app, through our website. You can go on Facebook to our Area 10 Facebook page. We have uh, a sign up there. But jump in on that if, if you're like, man, I want to I get in because we have a few spots left you could join us. So transformation and change happens um, from internal work of, like, starting to think differently and, and, and understand some things and kind of the light bulb going on and, and, and moving forward. But here's the secret. Change also, a big key ingredient of it is other people. Like, you grow in, in the way, in, in how you relate to other people. As other people get to know you and challenge you or encourage you, this, this, this shapes you over the course of your life, and, 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 and a lot of change happens just out of the relationships that, that you're in. And that's, uh, that's, a very, that's a very powerful thing. You grow from knowing others and being known, from loving others and, and being loved, from being in community with people. Change happens in community. The Apostle Paul started many churches around the Mediterranean Sea, and one of them he wrote to was a church in Rome, a big city back then, obviously a big city today. Um, And and at this community, he he wrote, to this community, he wrote this letter, and he talks to them about how they should be as a community, as a a body together. And I wanna read it to you, Romans chapter 12, starting with verse three. Listen to what he says. For by the grace given to me, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So Paul starts out by saying to the community, hey, first of all, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think of yourself. You need to view yourself, and this is a thinking component, right? You need to view yourself, he says, with sober judgment. Don't think you're a big deal. Ain't nobody in this room God's gift to humanity. Jesus is God's gift to humanity, and he's it, okay? Right? So he's, don't think of yourself as amazing. Why? Because that kind of pride kills community. It's, it's, just, it's a killer to the body. When, when, when we get into this, I'm, I'm the biggest deal, and I'm so important, and all that kind of stuff, and, and he's saying, no, don't think of yourself more highly... Uh, Than you ought to think of yourself with sober judgment and, and be honest and, and, and be people of, of humility. Um, and then he says, there are many members to this body, and he, and he talks about the different things that we do, and he says, whatever gift you've been given, use it. And he gives examples, teaching. If you're a teacher, then teach. If you have this exhortation gift, you know, use that. He's like, uh, if you're a servant, then serve. Now, all of us are called to be servants. We've talked about that before. We'll talk about it again. All of us are called to be servants, but he's talking about maybe some extra level of servanthood or extra level of generosity. He talks about that. There are people that have been given stuff, and the point is, whatever it is you have, use it for the body. Paul's saying, look, you do you. Now, when we say you do you in America, what we mean is, I'm not going to judge you. You do whatever the heck you feel like doing, and as long as that's your thing, go for it. What I mean is, by you do you, I mean, no, you bring you. You bring the thing that you've got. All of us are wired up in certain ways. Bring it to the body, to the community here. Because when you bring it, that's when we grow. That's when we change. That's when we are transformed. When you're bringing your thing. If you sit in the background and say, I don't have anything to offer. I'm not a churchy person. I'm not religious. I don't know enough about the Bible or whatever. When you sit in the background and you don't, Make yourself known and step into the light and, and, and help other people. Our body suffers because of that. You have to bring what God has poured into you. That's the way this works because as you bring your gifts, this whole community gets stronger and it gets better and, and, it, and it grows. I have, I have seen this over the years. When our church started 10 years ago, one of my jobs um, on a Sunday morning was to get here and turn on the air conditioning downstairs um, I'll, I'll tell you stories of that another day. It's, it's a terrifying thing. Uh, it is working today, I noticed. <laughs> Last week, not so much. Today, it's like we could preserve beef in here. Um, I would turn on the air conditioning. I would, I, would, uh, I would set up the soundboard and the video projector. And I did this for months and months and months at the beginning of the church. And I would oversee every greeter, um, every every person who made coffee over that, like, I was kind of overseeing my team until Wade and Jenny Cameron came along. Um, they, they, I first met them at the Watermelon Festival 10 years ago. Um, uh, and, and they came along and they said, hey, um, do you want us to take that over, like, overseeing all the people who are doing all the things, the greeters and handing out programs and all that? I was like... Yeah, I guess so. And I was a little nervous, like, man, I'm giving away something. Like, are they going to be good at it? They were way better at it than me. It was fantastic. They took it over and it got better. That whole area of the church got better. And it was just a reminder to me, let people do their thing. Let go of things. Don't hold on to everything. Don't be a control freak. Let people do their thing. And they do their thing well. And things got better. And, and, and they, they were able to contribute in an area. Um, and they were able to make it uh, a better a better thing. This is how the body of Christ works. When we all do our thing, the whole, we all change and grow. Your growth at Area 10, your growth in your faith, it's not going to come just from like a sermon or a song that we sang or or being in a small group or taking a class. I mean, all of those things are good, but it's kind of the cumulative effect of everything that, that really starts to move the needle for you and, and starts to bring about change. I, I've got actually stories of this. I've, I've heard of this. A couple months ago, Wayne Luck, uh, a guy here at Area 10, he, he wrote me an email. He said, and I was on vacation. I, and this is one of those, you know, sometimes on vacation, you open your email and you wish you hadn't. This wasn't one of those. This is the opposite. I was like, this is awesome. Like, I'm on vacation and I get this email. And Wayne had written this, me this email just to tell me how much he appreciates the experiences he's had here. And I just want to read you a piece of it because he kind of lays out some of how the community functions here. He said, Dorothy and I joined Area 10 in August of 2015 as we were planning a fan re-entry. A10 had been recommended many months before as a place to check out. After visiting, it was apparent that we were in the right place at the right time to rekindle our dormant faith. And it was apparent that you were invested in moving everyone forward and not staying status quo. Through multiple small groups, men's group, and overall A10 community, I have never felt so comfortable to learn more, practice deeper, and engage at a different level. And then he goes on and gives a few highlights of things that have changed for him personally in the last few years at Area 10. He says, I've begun and continued to read and study the Bible daily. I've begun and continued to journal daily, daily prayer and gratitude. I've learned that God wants our heart more than perfection, And I've become a better son, brother, husband, and father. I I read that and I'm like, this is what we're doing. Change happens in the community. There's there's another guy, Colin Colin Birchler. uh, Colin's a neighbor of mine, lives lives in our neighborhood. And him and his wife, Melissa, and their kids, they've been coming to Area 10 for several years And I've seen just in knowing him through men's group and different groups, I've seen I've seen him change a lot. And I I said, "Hey, can you articulate that for me?" And and this is what he wrote. He said, "Over the last seven years, I've really leaned into my faith and made the decision to get involved with the A10 community. It all started by walking through the front doors of the Bird Theater and making myself present to the Word and to the message that God speaks through Chris." I can attest. That some of the messages seem to be miraculously written just for my ears as they give me insight into what I'm struggling with that day. For me, I really started seeing transformation in my life when I decided, to, this is key, listen to this, when I decided to go from passive to active, I realized that I have a tendency to overthink and overanalyze things. I realized that I had to be more engaged if I wanted to continue add, to add depth to my faith. My next steps involved helping on Sundays, joining small groups, and really exploring what it meant to be a part of this church community. By engaging in fellowship and dialogue with others, I began to really challenge a lot of default beliefs that I had and started looking at them in relation to what our knowledge of faith teaches us. By getting to know others within the church, I gained a better understanding of everyone's unique situations and struggles, but also their similarities. I started to understand that happiness and contentment wasn't something I was going to find in the world. I started to understand those things that I would have to find within myself. One of the most powerful messages that I heard in in this church was the message about how our search for pleasure is oftentimes contrary to our ability to find happiness. This really hit home with me in a profound way. Since I took that to heart, I started living my life in a way where I take on more challenges and openly engage in doing what on the surface seems difficult to attain something that is everlasting. I thank God that I found this fertile soil to grow in, along with so many others who are here to make this community and world a better place. I want you to understand something. This is not something I do or you do. This is God's spirit, God's work in us and through us. This is the transformation that happens when God shows up. Man, when I, when I give a message up here, I don't know exactly what you're going through, but when it clicks for you, I, that's, Holy Spirit gets another, another little tick mark, like another one for the Holy Spirit. Like God's Spirit adds things and brings things out of, of the Scripture, of, of the time that we have here, of the prayers, of the songs that just connect with you in, in, in the moment, and it's a powerful thing. God does this. Now what stands in our way of experiencing that kind of transformation? Well, this is a very churchy word, but I, I really think it's true. The reality is sin. Sin is what's going to stand in the way of you and I changing and, and growing. Um, because we're going to sin, we're going to walk down a road of addiction and then we're going to be ashamed of ourselves and when we're ashamed of ourselves we're not going to want to tell anyone else we're not going to let anyone in to what's going on in our lives because we don't want them to see us we'd rather keep up the appearance that everything is okay this has been going on since the garden of eden when adam and eve sinned the first thing they did was make fig leaves to cover themselves up because re- they realized they were naked and they started to hide from god This is what happens to us. We sin, we are ashamed, and then we start hiding, and then we don't grow, and then we don't change, and then we don't allow other people in, and we don't serve other people. We get very inward and and, and scared, and it's a real pattern that that shows up all over the place. Sin ends up being this barrier to the kind of change and the kind of community that God calls us to. Author Paul Tripp writes about it. I, I, I thought this was really great. I want to read this to you. He says, we weren't created... To be Now, how un-American does this sound? Listen, we weren't created to be independent, autonomous, or self-sufficient. We were made to live in a humble, worshipful, and loving dependency upon God and in a loving, humble interdependency with others. Our lives were designed to be community projects. Let me stop right there. We were created to be interdependent. How would my parenting change if I thought I'm not trying to raise independent adults here, I'm trying to raise interdependent ones? Continuing on. Yet the foolishness of sin tells us that we all have that, we have all that we need within ourselves, so we settle for relationships that never go beneath the casual. We defend ourselves when the people around us point out a weakness or a wrong. We hold our struggles within, not taking advantage of the resources God has given us. God has given us each other in order to draw out the best of us uh, 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 from out, outside of us, God has, has has surrounded us with a community. And so, if you're going to grow, if you're going to change, you have to lean into that community. If you're standing amongst the rubble and the wreckage, and things have gone terribly wrong, our, our natural reaction is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bunker down, I'm going to go into my shell, I'm going to go into hermit mode, I'm going to get away. And I'm telling you, the first step is the opposite of that. The first step is, no, actually, you're going to have to reach out. Like, lean into the community. Um, because that's where the growth is going to happen from here. So number one, change happens in the community. And the second thing, last thing I want to give you today is this. Um, love compels us to serve. Love compels us to serve. We pulled that from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. It says this, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. This is what we we know to be true. We, We claim the truth of that scripture. We are convinced that Jesus died for all of us and for all the people who aren't even in this room right now. Jesus died for all of our sins and all the ways we've blown it and all the fig leaves that we sow and all the ways that we hide and all of our shame and all of the wreckage. Jesus dies for that mess. And because he loves us that much, we are compelled to love and serve others. We don't bask in his love and go, oh, man, this is so great. He loves me, and isn't this great just to be me? You know, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite, you know, that kind of thing. Like, we don't play that game. What we do is we say, oh, I'm loved, therefore, I will love and serve other people. I will, I will reach out um, and let other people know about this good life that I have in Christ. Our church has had an outward focus from day one. We have been in the city for the city. We have, what does it look like to be the best church for the city to to serve this community? And we have done some stuff over the last 10 years. Thousands of hours of volunteer hours all over the city um, in in all sorts of different projects. We talked about some of them last week, but we've worked with mentoring and and worked in schools, and we've done neighborhood cleanups and and all this kind of stuff. Um, And we've been doing that over the last 10 years. And really, over the last five years, um, our engaged team has done a great job of helping us focus because it's really easy to go after everything and make a dent in nothing. Because you're busy, you're doing something, we're serving, isn't that great? But you're not actually diving deep enough into an area to really, to, to really uh, make it make an impact. And so our engaged team has said, hey, let's put a filter on this. Let's let's not do everything we possibly could do. Let's focus things down to just a couple key areas, and let's do really well, uh, and and really serve in in those areas. Because sometimes a great opportunity comes along, but. Often, and this is true of any organization, great opportunities are great opportunities for you to drift off of your mission and miss out on what you're supposed to be doing. So we've, we've had some focus, and, and where I would like to see us go in the next 10 years as we, as we serve the community um, is I'd like to see us be an incredible church for people who are fostering or adopting children. Um, I want to see us be a, a powerhouse of, of support for people who are who are who are doing that. Um, it's interesting to me that the very story of Jesus that we we tell every year at Christmas, Joseph and Mary, they go to Bethlehem, and, and then Mary's pregnant, but it's not Joseph's kid and all that. But if you think about that and you sort of play that out, this is an adoption story. Mary's got a child with God. And then Joseph's there, kind of in the background, and he's not the kid's dad, and yet he raises Jesus as if he's his own. So there's an, a, there's an adoption piece baked into the story. More than that, the Apostle Paul says that us coming to Christ is being adopted. In Galatians 4, he says it this way, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, he's talking about the birth of Jesus, right? Born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons, and because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, "Abba, Father." So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You see, central to the story of Jesus's adoption. And if we're going to be a gospel-centered church, then adoption needs to be central to us. And so, we want to do all that we can to support people. Who are getting involved in foster care and adoption? There are loads of issues in the city, and if you uh, if you look around, you'll see race struggles and and poverty and um, just a, a lot of brokenness in the system and and difficulty in the public schools and all of this stuff. Like you'll see all of this stuff in Richmond. The more you get involved, and and the great thing about getting involved in foster care is that it exposes you to all of it. You you end up. Uh, seeing the challenges of the entire system when you're involved in foster care. And it's heartbreaking, but it's heartbreaking in a way that maybe our heart should be broken. It brings us an awareness of, hey, there's a lot of things going on in the city. And so we think not only theologically does being involved in adoption of foster care make sense, but just practically it is a great thing to be involved in that helps us see the world and see the city that God has placed us in, see, see all of it, not just one little corner of it or one slice of it. So we want to be the best church in the city for the city around adoption, which means, a couple things, when a family comes in here and they're fostering and adopting, we're putting together like a special welcome packet of all the ways that we can support them and say, hey, we're so glad you're here. We want to work with you. We want to host, you know, foster care trainings and and meetup groups and different things like that uh, in our new space. We want to be really involved in in that area. Um, But not only for families that are here, I want families who come to this church that are fostering and adopting to feel so well supported here. But not only that, I want the Richmond DSS workers who are working in that field every single day to feel supported by us. I want them to say Area 10 is like our biggest champion and our biggest supporter in the city. I think that would be an awesome thing because they have a very hard job. And so what would it look like for the church to come alongside them in in the community? Um, How can we we support them? I'll, I'll tell you one more thing. We do, if you've been here before in years past, you know that at Advent we raise money for something every year. And this year we're going to be raising money for foster care and adoption. I, I don't have the details exactly what that will be. We'll, we'll let you know more as that comes together. But that is our focus of where we're going to go this year. We're going to be raising money for that. Um, if you've seen the movie, uh, a movie trailer for Instant Family, a movie coming out with Marky Mark, Mark Wahlberg. He's always Marky Mark to me. Um, if you see a trailer coming out about an adopt a couple that adopts some kids, uh, we're we're looking at getting a special pre preview showing of that film here at the Bird, and we're partnering with some other organizations here in town to make that happen. So that's some exciting stuff. We want to we want to we want to be champions of people who are involved in this issue of adoption and foster care. So for the next ten years, we see Area Ten really uh, leaning into that. And one other area that we want to lean into is we need to be quick to respond when things come up. Um, there, you know, you sort of go through life, kind of regular normal pattern of things, and then stuff happens. Um, Charlottesville happens or or uh, other things happen. Like, so for example, Hurricane Florence happened, and we want to be quick to respond. And with Hurricane Florence, we got on it pretty quickly, and we started putting the word out to, to, to all of you to say, hey, we've got a partner down in New Bern, North Carolina, um, and they're going to be doing a lot of disaster relief, and they're going to be doing a lot of cleanup. And the federal government comes in, and they throw some money around, and when they leave, and this was true of Katrina, and it'll be true of Florence, when the federal government leaves, the church is still there doing the work for years and years and years. And and so what we want to do is is be helpful. And so I contacted my friend in Newburn. I said, how can we help? And he said, send some people who want to come clean up and and help people dig out and, and clean up the mess and put things in storage and rebuild and all that. So we've got a team that leaves today from Area 10 to go down there and spend some time this week. People who took off work and everything to get down there and go make that happen. And we are looking to send teams in the future. If you want to go to help with the cleanup effort, Go to the welcome table when we're done here today and talk to Topher, who did the welcome here this morning. Talk to Topher. He can give you details about, about that going forward. But I'm excited, and that's something we want to do a better job at is being quick in our responses to, to tough situations. Why do we do, do all that? Why do, we, why do we reach out like that? Why, why wade into adoption and foster care? Why, why do hurricane relief efforts? Um, because love compels us. Love compels us. To serve, to reach outside of ourselves. Love compels us to not just keep what God has given to ourselves, but to share it with others. And that's the other piece I want you to know about. Not only do we serve, but we actually speak up about our faith. We speak up. A church community grows, not because we do like a clever Google ad or some funny video or like a billboard that like gets attention or something like that. Um, I, I don't mind putting a billboard up. I think that's fine. But the reality is this community grows when you have your life changed in the community by God and then you go tell someone else. And you say, hey, this has changed me and this is what's going on. Why don't you come with me and be a part of that? In fact, we're always looking for ways to equip you to do that, to be able to invite friends to be a part of what's going on here. Next Sunday we're going to start a new series called "Dealing with Difficult People." Do you have any difficult people in your life? Okay, I won't do show of hands. I, did you come with a difficult person? Are they here with? That would be more fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> Point at the difficult person in the room. <laughs> yeah. um, we're going to do uh, three weeks called "Dealing with Difficult People." You got a card with your, connect, with your connection card your try five card when you came in, you got a card that that says a little bit about that, you can use that to invite someone else. Say, hey man, I'm, I'm doing this the next three weeks. Why don't you come with me? Because I'm pretty sure you're around people who complain about their relationships at some point. And you go, actually, yeah, and there's some good things we're going to be talking about. So we're going to do three weeks on that. It's called Dealing with Difficult People in October. And then starting the last Sunday in October, we're going to do a four-week series aimed at men called Manifesto. And we're going to talk because um, there's some there's some bad behavior associated with man, manhood right now. There's some toxic things in our culture. And I don't want to get up and berate men. I, I don't. In fact, I'm, I'm hoping there will be challenge but encouragement. But th- let's, just, let's just like reset button on some of this and say, all right, how can we uh, as men be better men and follow God and be better husbands and brothers and friends and, and all of that stuff. So we're going to talk about that starting October 28th. Invite every man you know to be here. You got a boyfriend, a husband who doesn't like to come to church. Bring him to church that day. So no, this is, this is actually aimed at you. You, got, you know, you got a dad who's like, you know, keeps sending you those forwards and stuff in your email and be like, you need to come to church with me or whatever. Like, so that starts October 28th. So the church reaches out. Love compels us to share, as Paul says, to share the love of Christ and share what He has done for us. So invite um, other people. Use these as great opportunities. Let me. Let me just close here by going back to to where we started. Um, If you're standing on the rubble and you don't know what to do next, um, and you feel like life has dealt you a very, very bad hand, um, our tendency there is always to double down on ourselves. I'm going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I'm going to focus on me. I'm going to get my me time. I'm going to, you know, just get into my inner space, and it's all about me all the time. And and I just want to encourage you to resist that tendency, to reach out, to lean into the community. And, and, And the community, hey, if you see people who even kind of look like they're struggling, invite them in. Make a friend. Say, hey, come join us. Come hang out with us. We're all going to lunch, whatever, you know, like invite people in to lean into other people and serve other people because helping others is a powerful way for you to work through your own stuff as well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this community, this uh, church that serves you, that honors you, that reaches out, that um, that feels compelled to to love in this place. And so, I pray that our eyes are open for those who are hurting around us. I pray that um, our hearts are open because um, we know when you open hearts, it, it it's a risk, and we, we open ourselves up maybe to pain. But, um, God, that's what you've done for us. You opened yourself up to pain. You sent your son to die for us. And uh, the least we can do is extend that love that we've experienced to others. So, God, give us divine opportunities, appointments this week where people... Uh, God, just serve them up on a plate like, a, like people are ready to talk and are ready to talk about, I don't know, difficult people in their lives or, or challenges. I, I pray that you help us do that and help us speak up when that, when that moment comes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.